Got so many exciting things going on um, this season in ministry. Um, one of them is that we're continuing to search for our youth and young adults pastor. And um, it's exciting because um, we have on, on a Sunday morning or so, I don't know, 40 or so youth that meet every Sunday. And they just meet on the other side of the campus, so you don't always get to see them. But, uh, but what they really need now is just somebody to give them direction. And so what we're asking is that you just pray for this process. Pray that God would be in this process. Pray that God would give us wisdom. And, and as we find the right man or the right woman to, to take our youth and take the helm and, and take our youth to a brand new uh, uh, to a brand new place, and then as well as being a champion to bring this intergenerational community together that, um, that's so important that we're all about. You know what I love hearing? When after church someone comes to me and goes, man, there's more young people here. I love it. And I love hearing those comments, and more and more young people are coming, and it is amazing that everybody is excited about that. Why? Because we're all the family of God. And no matter if we're in our 90s or we're, we're, you know, six months old, God has a plan for us and we're never too far gone. Amen? So we are excited. And for that, make sure you just be praying for it. We got resumes coming in and give us wisdom. Give the search team wisdom. And, uh, and, and yeah, we're going to go from there. So we're continuing our series on healthy relationships. We're meant for community. And two months now ago, I guess, we, we took a survey and we said, what are our needs? And the number one need that came up in our congregation was relationships. And so we said, let's talk about relationships. Today, we get to talk about relationships with our children, with our parents, and with our grandparents. Now, out of curiosity, how many of you are a child? Yeah, okay, all right, you caught on, good. How many of you live with your parents or grandparents or you're some relative? All right, how many of you wish you didn't live with them? Just kidding, nope, don't put your hand down. I saw the hand back there, you're like me. <laughs> so it's so unique in Hawaii, uh, the different dynamics going on. As, and, and then we talk about Southern California, like we talked about last week, how, how different the, uh, just the, the community is and different the culture is. And so there's pros and cons to all of that. And we're going to talk about everyone. So if you're a grandparent, there's something here for you. If you're a parent, something in here for you. If you're a child, whether you're a young child or a mature child, there's something in it for you. And let's talk about children first. Do you remember being an adolescent? Yeah. Some of you may have been longer than others, but, but, but I remember being in sixth grade at Mountain View Middle School in Moreno Valley, California. I remember walking through the pavilion. People were eating their lunches on this side and this side, and I remember thinking to this day, and I'm almost 40, to this day I still remember thinking everybody is looking at me. Ever thought about that? And then I realized, as I got older, they weren't looking at me. They were more concerned about themselves and them thinking people were looking at them. 
But adolescence is that tough age when you're trying to figure out who you are. You're trying to figure out all these different things. It's an awkward time. Is it, would, would anybody want to go back and live their adolescent years? Oh, everyone's like, oh, oh man. It is awkward for many, many reasons. Uh, those years are just so, so awkward. And, uh, uh, and these adolescent years are really the most formative years of our lives. One of the most formative years of our lives. You could play me a song from the 90s. <laughs> 90s. For some of you, it would be the 60s or 50s. But for me, or the 80s. How many 80 babies? Yeah, all right. How many 90 babies? 90, like that's your generation, it's the 90s. All right, great, I'm all alone. <laughs> Appreciate it. Thanks for making me feel welcome. Just kidding. You could play a song from the 90s, and I could tell you where I was, who I was with, and what I was doing. Now, I probably wouldn't tell you what I was doing because I didn't always do the best stuff, but I, I could, in theory, tell you that stuff. It just shows you how powerful uh, adolescence is, and as our brains are just molding and forming, with these, these, we have all these first experiences that are almost like imprinted in our brains and in our, in our minds. It's, 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 it's why we're so formative as adolescents, and it is a powerful time of life. And it's a time when, when, when students are exploring, students are trying to figure out what life is all about, students are trying to figure out like, what, who they are, what they're going to become, and what they're all about. You know, even nowadays, there's a new category for adolescents. Sociologists have come up with new categories, a new category, and it's called emerging adulthood. And here's what that means. And this may not uh, clearly, like, like cleanly, translate to Hawaiian culture because it is different than, than, than the mainland, and, and here's why. Um, when nowadays a, a girl and a boy become biologically a woman or a man at a much younger age, so we're talking nine, ten years old, uh, if not eight years old, and then they're waiting until they're about 29 to get married. And some of you know that because you have that age group in your house, <laughs> and you always ask the question, when are you going to get married? It's never a good question to ask, by the way. <laughs> so we have, we have this time period called emerging adulthood from when you become a biological adult to the time they get married, settle down, get a career, and all that stuff. Now, here's what that means, though. That means, generally speaking, there's a lot more time in between where there is opportunities to experiment with whatever is out there, to mess around with whatever is out there. But if we went back 40 years, you would get a wife, a husband at early 20s, sometimes earlier, and then, bam, you would start a family and you'd go right on. There would be less time from the adolescent years to, to your adulthood years in between to kind of mess around. So, so if there's two or three years to kind of, you know, explore and figure things out, less chances to get in trouble and, you know, you can figure out the rest. But now there's a lot, much bigger gap. And this generation coming up, there's no other generation like this generation. Now, the same could, have been, could be said for Generation X. The same could have been said for uh, uh, baby boomers. Same thing. Every generation coming up has a new something about them, Right? Baby boomers, you remember that new something, don't you? 
When, when you're growing up, your parents would always say something about your generation. Well, this generation is, is different as well. But here's the beauty about this up-and-coming generation is that they desire, they desire a deep, meaningful relationship with caring adults. I know that because I've had the privilege of working with this age group for seven and a half years every single day. I know that because all the books and research I read supports that. And the beauty is, is that as we continue where we're going as a church with this intergenerational community, that there's going to be more and more opportunities for all of you to mentor somebody maybe 10, 20, 30 years younger than you. And we're going to give you opportunities on how to do that. We're even going to teach you how to talk to the younger generation. And believe it or not, we can learn how to talk to this younger generation. Isn't that amazing? This younger generation desperately wants caring adults to come alongside them, to walk with them, and to do life with them. They need a guide. And I see a large room here with beautiful people willing to say, I could do that. And we're going to tell you more and more about that as, as time comes. But here are three practices for youth and for caring adults. So if you have a child, this is great for you to do with your child. If you have a, a, a mentee, this is great to do with your mentee. If you have a grandchild, great to do with your grandchild. But here we go. First, help youth study the scriptures. We talked about last week that youth learn the best by seeing and experiencing other people doing it. They're sponges. Kids are sponges. They soak this stuff up. So study the scriptures. And, and maybe what we have to do is get creative with it. Maybe, maybe, maybe we have to get more and more creative. And there's a great resource online that is called the Bible Project. It's a phenomenal resource that is for not just the younger generation, but it hits most generations because it's how the Bible is told in a narrative form, and it, and it is done really well. If you want to you know, look at it, just go to the Bible Project and check out all the different videos there. You go, wow, this is really cool. You can actually sit down with your kid, with your mentor, tea with your grandkid, whatever it is, and say, hey, let's watch this together and let's talk about it. But our kids need to know the Bible. Number two, if we want to be effective with our kids, with our youth, we need to listen well. We need to listen well. Listening is probably one of the most difficult um, habits to develop because it requires listening. But ask them some questions. Ask them questions like this. What are your hopes? What are your dreams? What are your needs? And then here's what we do. We listen. We don't solve all their problems. We don't say, here's what you need to do. But we help them process this journey that they are on. Third, pray for your child. Pray for your mentee. When we pray for them, they know that we love them. They know that we care for them. They know that no matter what happens, that they have a caring adult praying for them. As we, as we talk about this new vision that we'll talk about in the next, I don't know, number of months coming up here, part of that is that we want everybody's name known, that every youth here, every young adult 
everybody knows their name. Not everyone, but, but, but people know their name. So, so no one will come here and not know who they are. At least they'll know one person or two people or five people because this, our church is such a caring and loving church that we are praying for people. We want to know people. Now let's talk about parents. How many of you are parents? <laughs> How many of you would say parenting is tough? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Parenting is so difficult, but it is the best thing in the world. It's like that dichotomy. Parenting is tough, and sometimes you just want to say, go to bed and stop doing that, and you, you, you want to pull out your hair. And then other times, just like, God, you've given me angels. It's the weirdest thing, isn't it? Parenting is tough, but it is the best thing in the world. And actually, parenting and children, when we talk about children, children are a blessing from the Lord. Psalm 127.3, children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Children are a heritage from the Lord, Psalm 127.3, offspring a reward from him. Children are a reward from God. Now imagine this, imagine if we actually took this Bible passage seriously. Imagine that that if we said children are a reward from God, that they are a blessing from God, imagine if when they mess up, we still saw them as a blessing. That's, I know it's hard. Imagine when they did something so irritating, so disrespectful, we saw them as a blessing. What would happen to, to the dynamics between the parent? And the kid, or or the mentor and the mentee, what would happen there? But this is God's design for us. God wants us to raise children who know Him and who love Him. And children don't always do what their parents want them to do, which scares me because right now my kids are at the age where they kind of have to do everything that they're told. Otherwise, they go on time out. <laughs> but as they get older, it gets tougher doesn't it? So, the question is this. Will we love our kids unconditionally? The Bible calls this agape love. Agape love is I will love you no matter what you do. I will love you regardless of how bad you mess up. I will still love you even if you make choices that are totally against our family. I will still love you. That's the type of love God has for us. No matter what we do, he's still going to love us. No matter what we do, God will still love us. And God calls us to have that type of love for our kids for our mentees, for those that we take under our wing. Our kids need to know that, 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 that we, that spe specifically mom and dad, are their number one cheerleaders. That mom and dad will support them no matter what. That if they sit on the bench, mom and dad are going to be there. Regardless if they're their star athlete or they're a bench warmer. 
We're going to be at their games because we love them. And that goes for grandparents as well and for family members as well. And so no matter the ups and downs, no matter the failures, the successes of our kids, that that we're going to let them know we love them, we value them, and we are there for them. They need to know they are unconditionally loved by mom and dad, by grandparents, by the extended family. So here's a tip for healthy relationship with our kids. One, do not compare them to others. Do not compare your kids, our kids, to others. Because what it does when we compare them to others, it devalues them. It says that this kid is better than you because he or she is doing X, Y, and Z. So, 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 so do not compare them. If our children believe we don't love them unconditionally, hear me. If our children believe we do not love them unconditionally, they will go somewhere else to find that love. Agape love that God has for us is what God expects for us to have for our children, for our grand children. So, with parents, Billy Graham gave this sermon in 1955 about parents. And he gives us six quick thoughts on it. And since Billy Graham is like anointed by the Lord, I figured, let's, let me tell you Billy Graham's six thoughts on parenting from 1955. That's still applicable today, which is pretty amazing. Number one, take time with your children. Spend time with them. Take them on hikes. Take them to the beach. Spend time. Find out what their interests are and connect with them. Number two, give your children ideals for living. Let them know that God has gifted them in so many different ways and that they could do what God has gifted them to do. Believe in them that they could do the things God has called them to do. Number three, Set a good example for your children. Let your children see the Holy Spirit move and change and mold you from the inside out. Number four, Billy Graham says that plan activities with your children. Go and do stuff with your children. Maybe even your children and your children's friends and get to know them. Number five, discipline your children and love. Number six, teach your children to know God and bring them up in the church May our children know God and may they love the church. I'm so thankful that my three girls, well, Hananiah is like six months, so she doesn't know anything. But I'm so thankful they love the church. I'm so thankful they love coming here. I'm so thankful they love running around and being crazy, which I don't know where they get that from. But they love coming here. And may our children, may our grandchildren, may our great-grandchildren, may we raise them up in such a way that they love God, they love his word, and they love the church. Now, let's talk about grandparents. How many grandparents here? All right. Now, we, 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 we figured this out last week that grandparents is a better role than parents. Is that what we agreed on last week? I mean, I asked you, that's what you all said. Are you backtracking now? 
Okay, grandparenting is pretty awesome, right? Because you can spoil them, you can love on them, you can give them all the sugar in the world, and you pass them off and you say, see ya. Yeah. Yeah, I know all that all too well. <laughs> Several years ago, George Barna asked 600 teenagers to name the most significant spiritual influencers in their lives. To name the most significant spiritual influencers in their lives. Some might think, oh, it's going to be their kids. Some might think, oh, it's going to be their parents. Some might think, oh, it's going to be so-and-so, their pastor. It's going to be... But here's what these kids said, these 600 kids. Number one was parents. That puts pressure on us parents. Number two was other family members, most typically grandparents. Grandparents, you have a responsibility to raise the spiritual level of your grandkids. And so I would say that God expects this of grandparents. A grandparent's job is to pass on a rich heritage of faith in Christ to their grandchildren. A grandparent's job is to pass on a rich heritage of faith in Christ to their grandchildren. Psalm 103, 17 to 18. But the love of the Lord remains forever. But the love of the Lord remains forever with those who fear him. His salvation extends to the children's children of those who are faithful to the covenant, of those who obey his commandments. One of the reasons for this being so true is that so many of us is because there is a unique relationship between grandparents and grandchildren. Uh, there's a, a, a story I read of this high school kid. This high school kid got in a fight with his parents, and he went to his grandparents. And his grandparents were off, able to offer more mercy and the comfort and the, and the support there. Not undermining the parents, but yet they knew they could go to the grandparents for that support, for the encouragement, but also to help work through what happened. That is an ideal situation for grandparents. And so grandparents get to focus on mercy and love and, and, and grace. And in fact, Paul in Titus 2 reveals that he is convinced that older men and older women are key people in families growing in love and being pleasing to God. Titus 2. So grandparents, one just word of caution as, we, as you have such a, a big responsibility with your family. This is really an, an it's honoring to have that type of responsibility. But one is that things have changed so much over the last 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, whatever it is. Do not force your children to duplicate you. And do not try to control your children's decisions. So here's the healthy relationship tip for grandparents. Don't give advice unless you are asked. I know it's difficult. I got grandparents and parents, and actually, my, my parents and grand, my parents are amazing. Kaz's parents are amazing. They're listening right now. <laughs> I'm going to keep going. And even 
then do so sparingly. Don't give advice unless you are asked. Easier said than done. It's an illusion that because we lived a certain way uh, a number of years ago, that that's the best for children to live today. But life changes, circumstance changes, things change. Grandparents, you have such a responsibility to love your grandkids, to show them grace. And even if they don't live with you or they live far away, you could call them. You could find out how to use some type of social media and send them messages, send them emails, and just let them know you're praying for them. You don't need to write long old, you know, 20 pages letters, just a simple letter letting them know that you care for them. You gotta, we have to start somewhere. So maybe you already have that relationship with your grandkids. But if you don't, it's time to start. Proverbs 17.6, grandchildren, you can write this verse down, Proverbs 17.6. Grandchildren are the crowning glory of the age. Parents are the pride of their children. Proverbs 17, 6. Grandchildren are the crowning glory of the aged. Parents are the pride of their children. As the band comes, I want us to just think about a couple things in terms of what's next. Healthy relationships with our children, with our parents, with our grandparents. What, we, what I want us to think about is what are the steps we're going to take to have healthier relationships, whether it's with our kids, whether it's with our grandkids. Maybe, maybe as, a, as a son or daughter, you need to work on having a healthy relationship with your mom or your dad or whatever the case is. Now, the reality is, is that there's been a lot of hurt and pain in our lives, and we don't want to minimize that at all. But at some point, we got to be able to work through that to get to the point of forgiveness. Maybe we need to forgive them. Maybe they need to forgive us. Maybe it's a both and. But somebody's got to take that first step and say, I want a better relationship. So whether it is with your parents, whether it's with your kids, whether it's with your grandparents, what step will you take today? What step will you take the moment you leave here, when you go out to lunch later, and, and, and when you start to talk about this, you know, the message and this theme and what we've been doing, what will you do to take these steps to say, I want a better relationship? Who do you need to call today? Who do you need to go to today? Because God has created us for relationships, and he is a good God. And he wants what's best for us.